All right. Good evening. Uh, Brother Eddie is passing around uh, lesson 100. Uh, we finally made it to the, the, the triple digits. We are in lesson 100 tonight and uh, in our Life of Christ study. Or if uh, you just want to follow along in the Bible, we're going to be uh, finishing up Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, and then we will move right into Matthew 25 tonight. So uh, good to be out here this evening as we continue this, uh, this study. Again, we are on Tuesday, uh, the, the last week of Jesus' life. Uh, this Tuesday, uh, the scriptures have so much uh, recorded for us about what's going on this Tuesday. Uh, we have been in Matthew chapter 24 for the past couple of uh, classes. Uh, we've sort of slowed down a little bit because of uh, just how difficult uh, these verses are. And so we just want to make sure that we are comfortable with them as, uh, before we go forward. But again, let's set the scene. Uh, Jesus has left the temple for the last time. And as they walk out of the temple, he and his disciples, remember the disciples are sort of looking at the temple, at, at the beauty of it, and say, and Jesus says to them, uh, not one stone upon another will be left. This sort of raises some questions for the d disciples. They ask, well, Jesus, when is this going to take place? And then they also ask him another question. Uh, what is the sign of your coming and the sign of the end of the age? Right? And so we've got these two questions. And that first class, we sort of dealt with uh, what Jesus had to say um, about what's going to take place before the temple is destroyed. Uh, last Sunday, we looked at what Jesus had to say about the destruction of Jerusalem. And then uh, today, we're going to finish out his thoughts here uh, in Matthew 24 about uh, the sign of his coming, uh, the sign of the end of the age. And we've already studied some of those verses that uh, last, uh, in the last class where Jesus basically said, you know, there's not going to be a sign to those things. Uh, but he, he does tell them there's going to be a sign to the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, remember, he brings up that, uh, that phrase, the, the, the abomination of desolation. You remember, and we talked about this, how this was in reference to the Roman armies. Jesus says, when you see the Roman armies encircling Jerusalem, then he tells them a couple of things to do. When you see that sign, he says, get out. Right? Get out and um, flee to the mountains. Don't pack a bag. Don't go and grab your coat. Uh, pray that it doesn't happen in the wintertime. You know, woe to those who are in labor or nursing at that time uh, because uh, you just got to get out of there, right? That, that's the sign that uh, his ultimate, destruct, or that ultimate destruction of Jerusalem is going to take place. And so he gives them that sign. But again, when he says that uh, verse 36 of Matthew 24 is that key verse that we, again, we just kind of mentioned a little bit on Sunday morning where Jesus is turning his attention away from that first question to the second question, and he says, but of that day and hour, no one knows. Right? So he gives them a sign to the destruction of Jerusalem, but now to, as for a sign for his return, for the, 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 you know, the end of the age, he says there won't be a sign. Right? He says that um, just as in the days of Noah, right, people are going to be eating and drinking, uh, they're going to be you know, just living out their daily life, and uh, he's going to come as a thief comes in the night, and no one will know. There will be no sign to that. And so his message for them is be ready, right? Be ready. And so that's really going to be 
kind of the theme for the next few classes as we uh, look at these parables that Jesus is going to give in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, tonight we'll, we'll cover the, the, the ten virgins, and then uh, next uh, Sunday morning we will look at the parable of the talents, and then I believe the next class after that uh, we'll look at the parable of the sheep and the goats, uh, all of Matthew chapter 25, all with the same theme right, of being, being ready, be ready for when he comes back. Some of the questions that the curriculum asks to get us uh, thinking about this. Um, how do you prepare yourself for a test? Uh, think back to your days in school, right? Um, how do you prepare for a test? Or uh, do you remember getting pop quizzes? Um, Mike, do you, do you give pop quizzes? No? Well, then you're one of the good ones then, right? My students don't. Okay, yeah, but some teachers give pop quizzes, don't they? Uh, how do you how do you prepare for a pop quiz? Be ready. You got to be ready, right? You got to be ready at all times because you don't know when it's coming, right? So, um, so that's a that's an interesting question. And another question we're going to ask tonight as we jump into this lesson: Have you ever ran out of gas? Have you ever driven down the road and your tank was on E and you ran out of gas. This probably happened to all of us at some point. Um, keep that in mind as we, as we go in here. Again, Jesus is shifting gears, uh, talking between the destruction of Jerusalem and now to his second coming. And this, this section is going to be a little bit easier, right? Because he's not going to speak in those uh, uh, the apocalyptic terms. He's not going to use those signs and codes that he used uh, earlier in this chapter, everything's going to be direct, and we're going to—it's um, going to be a little bit easier for us to understand. So let's let's begin in verse 42 of Matthew 24, and we'll read this through the end of this chapter. Uh, again, Matthew 24, starting in verse 42. So he says, "Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this: that if the head of the house had known," At what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time, and he begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour which he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so um, what we looked at Sunday morning you know, Jesus sort of gave us um, sort of, again, what's going on in life. What's going to go on in life when he returns? Do you remember what uh, he said? Sorry? Well, before he comes back, it'll be just a normal day, and then all of a sudden, boom. Yeah, yeah exactly. He says it's going to be a normal situation, a normal day, right? And so be ready, right? Just like in the days of Noah. Just like people going out and working in the field, he says, one's going to be taken, one's going to be left. 
you know, those two women grinding uh, in the mill. One's going to be taken, one's going to be left. And again, there, there's going to be no indications of that day, right? It's just going to be a normal day. And um, are there individuals out there who have tried to predict, you know, the, the end of times? Yeah, there's been lots of them, right? If someone says they know, uh, you know, the day that Jesus is going to return, run the other way, right? Uh, because Jesus says no one knows, not even he himself. You know, sometimes we'll hear people say uh, after some sort of catastrophic event or maybe a war starting up, oh, we're in the end times now. You know, this, it's, it's the beginning of the end now. Remember in Acts chapter 2 when Peter begins that sermon, right, the, the sermon on the day of Pentecost, uh, all the way in Acts chapter 2, he said in that, uh, in that sermon, you know, that, that we're in the last days, right, in the last days. You know, we've been in the last days for the past, again, 2,000 years since, you know, since the church began, since Peter uh, ushered in the church. We have been in the last days. So Jesus here, he tells his followers to be prepared, uh, but he doesn't just warn them. He tells them what they need to do, right? He, he told them that they needed to be on the alert. Do we like alerts? Do you, you have a cell phone and uh, you know, maybe you, you purchase something on Amazon and you'll get an alert when that package is delivered to your house? Or uh, maybe you have a weather app and you get an alert when uh, you know, a storm system's coming your way? Right? I think a lot, uh, a lot of people like those types of alerts, right? Um, but this is a, a different type of alertness that Jesus is talking about, isn't he? What, what type of alertness is he talking about? Yeah, be ready at all times, right? Again, you, you need to be ready at all times, it says. Be on the alert, just like a thief uh, in the night. Um, and then he also says that his followers need to be faithful, right? Um, verses 44 and 45. Uh, the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Uh, who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master has put in charge? When he returns... How's he going to find us? Uh, his followers, his disciples, are, is he going to find us ready and prepared? Or is he going to find us slacking off and not prepared? And, of course, he, he mentions what's going to happen when he does, right? He says those who are faithful and ready, he's going to bless them. But those unfaithful, those unprepared, they're going to be punished. And... Uh, and so this is sort of kicks us into these series of parables that he's going to give. Uh, and so we're going to spend the rest of uh, this class talking again about this, this first parable, Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, uh, the parable of the, the ten virgins. And so uh, let's just jump right into this one as well, starting in verse 1. Uh, then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. 
The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. It's a pretty powerful parable, isn't it? It's probably one of the, the better or, or more well-known parables. And I just, you know, that, that, that verse, uh, verse 10, this always rang with me. You know, the ending of that verse, the door was shut. Um, there was a, a very powerful sermon. I was trying to find it today. I think uh, Brother Wendell Winkler uh, preached this a long ago, but that, that was the title of that lesson, and the door was shut. And so I'm trying to hope and I can find it and maybe, um, maybe preach it one day, because it was one of the most you know, powerful sermons I've ever heard um, on you know, this topic of when Jesus is going to return. But again, that verse has always rang with me, you know, and the door was shut. And so let's, let's take a closer look at this story. So first we're going to start with the, the bridegroom. So who does the bridegroom, and you know, obviously we don't use that language today, uh, we might just say the groom, but who does the bridegroom represent? Yeah, Jesus. And that's pretty uh, easy for us to understand because uh, we've already read passages in Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus referred to himself as the bridegroom uh, in a story. Uh, John the Baptist has referred to Jesus as a bridegroom, so you know that makes sense. It makes sense that Jesus would depict himself as the bridegroom, and you know he's really the center of this parable, isn't he? Uh, he doesn't come into play until much later on, but he is the center focus of this story. Uh, he's the reason why the people have gathered together. Uh, he is the, the person that everyone's waiting on. Right? He, he's the one that's. Uh, a long time coming or delaying, and you know it's only it's only through him that those virgins were able to enter into uh, the wedding feast. Again, he is the the center focus, right? Jesus is the center focus of this story, and should be the center focus of our lives as well. Uh, he's the one we're waiting for. He's the one we're longing for. He's the one uh, we're living for, and. Again, you know, we can make that easy application, right, that it's only through him that, you know, we have uh, the ability to get to, to God, to get to heaven, right? What did Jesus say in John 14, verse 6? I am the way and the truth and the life, right? No one comes to the Father but through me. And so uh, that, that's, you know, again, this, this, this parable is pretty simple to understand, and it's very basic, and Jesus here is, he's representing the bridegroom. Now, the other character in the story, of course, are the, the ten virgins. And who are these ten virgins representing? Yeah, his disciples, his followers, right? We, we would refer to them as Christians today, those who uh, are waiting for his return, right? And... Uh, now, all ten of these uh, virgins in this, uh, this account, they're, they're all carrying lamps. 
Uh, they all appear to be ready for him. Uh, and, you know, we could kind of think of the context of what's going on here. Uh, of course, uh, you know, the weddings in this uh, setting in, in the first century, the Jewish customs are, of course, a lot different from ours. Uh, modern day uh, wedding ceremonies and, and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, weddings often took place at night, right? We, we don't have night weddings, uh, but uh, they did in that culture. And uh, remember how we, you know, we've talked about this in the past about how uh, they would have this betrothal period. You know, a, a man would, a man and woman would agree to uh, basically get engaged, you know, uh, but then the man would go back to his uh, father's place and would build that room uh, for later on. Uh, but at some point, he's going to come and to get his bride. And, you know, that could be some time. It could be a year or so. And the bride really doesn't know when that's going to take place. Uh, but also part of the, the Jewish custom uh, wedding was, that was important was the, the, the wedding party. Right? And so that's who these, these virgins sort of represent is, you know, I guess you could kind of think of it as bridesmaids. Uh, you know, and so... When, when the bridegroom finally comes to take his bride, uh, the wedding parties, uh, they're all going to escort him from, uh, you know, her parents' home to uh, his parents' home, and, uh, and that's where the feast is going to be uh, taking place. And, of course, you know, the focus is on these ten virgins, and Jesus makes a distinction between them. And what is that distinction? Yeah, yeah. so yeah, the amount of oil they had, or we could uh, separate them into two categories, the, the foolish virgins and the wise virgins. The five foolish and the five wise. Those who were prepared versus those who were not prepared. Right? And so um, this oil, of course, was used for uh, their lamps. And again, you know, in our day and age, we don't really uh, go around carrying uh, oil lamps, do we? And so maybe this doesn't make as much sense to us in today's language. So I was kind of thinking, you know, what, how could we compare that in today's um, vernacular? And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I kind of thought along the lines of a cell phone, right? A lot of us have cell phones, and they have to be charged, don't they? And there are some individuals who, uh, you know, maybe you want your cell phone as close to 100 as possible, especially when you're leaving the house and you're not near a charger. And there are those who might gamble a little bit, right? And they might leave the house at it, you know, 20, 15, 10%, and not knowing if you're going to use up all the battery. And so, you know, that was sort of my take as to maybe a more modern-day application of, instead of oil lamps, maybe a cell phone, but uh, a flashlight? Okay, yeah, that would be, I guess, more of a, you know, how we would go about, you know, seeing at night. Yeah, and so, so, so here we have these people, right? Um, we find the bridegroom was a long time coming, uh, the virgins grew weary, and then what did they do? They fell asleep, didn't they? They grew weary, they fell asleep. And then that cry came, you know, behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And, uh, you know, usually this, uh, at least when I was reading uh, 
the, the person who usually would make that announcement was, you know, the best man, right? The best man would make that announcement. Behold the bridegroom, right? And, and uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I know scripture doesn't connect the two, but um, when uh, Jesus returns, is there going to be a shout? Yeah. Um, again, you know, the, the, the scriptures don't connect that, you know, that, that uh, you know, the archangel is, you know, the best man to Jesus, but, you know, you kind of see a parallel there, too, don't you, that, you know, this, uh, this, bride, this uh, best man shouts, you know, behold the bridegroom, come out and meet him, and the day Jesus returns, there's going to be this great shout, and so, you know, that's sort of an interesting parallel to think about, but the, uh, so we have the foolish virgins, uh, they're, they're in trouble here, and they're asking the wise ones for oil, uh, the wise virgins tell them to go get their own. Was this inconsiderate of them? No, because then they wouldn't have been prepared. Yeah, yeah. The, the, that's, uh, we might read that and think, well, that, that wasn't very nice of them, right? But if they were to give what they had, then, you know, they're in trouble, right? And so... Instead of going to sleep, they could have gone and got more Sure, yeah. Instead of going to sleep, they could have went and took care of the problem. And so at the, at the end of the day, they missed the bridegroom. Because um, while they went, went away to get more oil, of course he comes. And uh, everyone else goes into the feast. And the foolish virgins, they cry out, Lord, Lord, open up for us. Uh, th does that phrase uh, ring any bells to you? Lord, Lord. I looked that up today and noticed um, noticed uh, three different times that uh, that phrase is found in Scripture. Of course, this is one of them. Uh, remember all the way back in Matthew chapter 7 on the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Many on that day um, will on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I just thought it was interesting uh, when you connect that verse and the verse here in Matthew 25, and then also in Luke chapter 6, verse uh, 46, we find that phrase once again where Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? You know, every time that verse or that, that phrase is found, it's sort of always in... Uh, you know, a negative connotation, right? That, that somebody's crying out, Lord, Lord. And, you know, that, that might be an interesting sermon one day to sort of, you know, put all those three uh, together. But that's what these, these five virgins who were left outside the feast cried out, Lord, Lord. And he says, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Right? The, the door was shut. Just a sort of a sad picture there. So um, let's make some application to this lesson. Of course, you know, it, it's pretty simple, I think. Uh, what are some lessons that you can think of uh, from this account? Be prepared. All right, yeah, be prepared, right? That is probably, probably the, the first thing that comes to our minds. Are we ready? 
Are we ready? Do you think that those uh, the five foolish virgins knew before they decided to go to sleep that they did not have enough oil? Probably. They probably. Yeah. Um, we should read the Bible and know we're ready or not. Right. Yeah, they, they probably knew that, right? And so they were taking uh, a bit of a chance because um, they didn't uh, expect him to return at that time. Uh, they didn't have fuel gauges on those lamps, did they? Uh, to be able to tell them. Uh, how do you, let's think of it this way, I guess. How do you, how do you fill up your gas tank? Do, do you wait until you're on E? Or are you someone who says, you know, oh, it's a half tank full, I better go get gas. Or I'm about a quarter full, I better go get gas. Isn't that sort of what's going on here? Is we've got some virgins who are saying, you know what, he could come back tonight, so I better have extra oil with me. And then we've got the other five who are saying, eh, he hasn't come back in the past couple of days. Uh, it's probably unlikely he's going to come back tonight, so I'm just going to go ahead and sleep and not worry about it. Right? Um, same thing. Same thing with your cell phones. Uh, you know, you might have someone who, uh, when it's at fifty percent, well, you know, I, I got to get it hooked back up, right? Because I'm fifty percent uh, battery down, or or maybe it's in the red, and so I better get it hooked up. Um, what happens when we don't react to those things? What happens when we don't react to our gas tanks empty or our cell phones are... Sorry? We won't go very far, will we? No. And so, you know, maybe, maybe we're someone who says, you know what, um, I know I'm on E, but I know that, you know, the, the gas prices are probably going to go up or I'm waiting for them to fall, to fall before I um, go and fill up. And uh, that's a, sort of a, it's a dangerous way to live, isn't it? Because you just can't predict those things. Um, consequences always, right. And so instead of going and getting more, they go to sleep, right? They, they were unprepared. They weren't concerned. They weren't ready. And so, yes, so a, a definite um, lesson we learned from this account is that we have to be ready. Uh, we have to be prepared. But some might say, the bridegroom is a long time coming, right? Um, you know, we might hear it this way today. Jesus hasn't come back in the past 2,000 years, you know, since his death. Um, how do we respond to that? What would we say to somebody who says, you know, he hasn't come back in the past 2,000 years. What makes you think that tomorrow could be any different? Yeah. Right, that's exactly what he says in that lesson. He says, we have less time to get ready today than we did yesterday. Right? We're one day closer, we're one second closer, so we need we to be... We really want to risk, and that's, I think, our biggest problem, is we don't realize, we, don't, we can't grasp how long eternity is. It's an infinite, you know, we can't grasp how long it is, and yet if we really did grasp how long it is, we'd be making changes. Right. Is two thousand years a long time for God? No. It's not, is it? It is for us. We look at that number and say, Wow. But for God, 
who lives outside of time, you know, uh, one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day, right? And so um, we know that there are going to be some who say, you know, he hasn't come uh, in the past 2,000 years. What makes you think that he'll be here tomorrow? But you know, Jesus himself said in, this, uh, in the last chapter, but of that hour, again, no one knows. When the bridegroom comes, will you get into the wedding feast? Again, who, who's he talking to in this parable? Or who, who's he speaking this parable to? It's his, his disciples, right? He's speaking to the disciples. This isn't one of those parables that he's uh, speaking to, you know, the Jewish leaders or the, or the, the Pharisees. Uh, he's speaking to his disciples, right? And uh, he's telling them, listen, you can't wait to the last minute or when you're on E, right? You, you need to fill up your lamps now. You need to be ready now. Uh, the time is now to obey the Lord, right? The price isn't going to get any cheaper. It doesn't matter if we're on a half a tank. But he says, fill up now. It's, it's time, right? It's today. Uh, today is the day of salvation, uh, Paul says. You know, um, it's time to be prepared now. And uh, lastly, let's, let's notice this last point they make. Uh, why did the wise virgins not share their oil with others? When Christ returns, yeah, when, when Christ returns, can we share uh, our preparations with others, we can't, can we? And so nobody can prepare for anyone but themselves. You know, Paul says in a couple of different places, Romans 14, verse 12, so then each of us will give an account. Right? We're not going to heaven based on you know, what our parents did or what you know, the, the, the preacher of the church that we were uh, members of did or, or our grandparents or, again, our best friend, any of those things. It's based on us. Right? And so we have to be prepared. Individually, we have to be prepared. How embarrassing is it to run out of gas? Is it embarrassing? Yeah. It is, right? But, but that feeling short-lived, right? Uh, hopefully someone, hopefully you can be able to, hopefully your cell phone isn't dead and you can call somebody up and ask, you know, to get a lift to the gas station, right? But for those five foolish virgins who were told, I don't know you, or you can't come in, how do you think they felt? <clears throat> Devastated, right? Uh, you think they were saying, well, we're, we're part of that 10, right? We're, we're part of the group, right? Our five friends are in there. You know, obviously, you're making a mistake, Jesus. But Jesus said, right, that uh, the door shut, I don't know you. And again, it's just a, a, so, a, such a powerful, powerful lesson. And uh, so this, again, is going to be the theme going forward for the next uh, couple of classes. Uh, the parable of the talents we'll look at Sunday morning. So Jesus is going to turn his attention away from a parable about these women. So now we're going to talk about these, these three men, right? Sort of, again, the same scenario, just in different terms. And Again, another very well-known uh, parable here in Matthew chapter 25. So we, we, uh, we, we got through that lesson, um, uh, which is sort of uh, unthinkable sometimes. So uh, while we've got a couple minutes left, does anyone want to make any comments about 
uh, that parable or what we've talked about tonight? Yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. It's just a constant reminder that we always have to be prepared. You always have to be prepared. Right. Just in just at the end of Matthew twenty four, he said, right? He said that there's there's going to be some servants of his who are going to say. The master hasn't come in a while. He's out doing something else. I'm going to go have my fun. Right? I'm going to go and, um, what's he say specifically? He says, uh, my master is not coming for a long time. And he begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards. Right? And uh, some people have taken on that, uh, that sort of um, that viewpoint today. They are Christians, but uh, they've come to the point where you know, well, maybe I can go ahead and do this or that because, uh, and live a certain way because, you know what, he, he's not going to be coming anytime soon. But again, Jesus said that uh, in that same parable, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour which he does not know. And you know, he gets in some pretty graphic language there in, in verse 51, right? He will cut him to pieces or severely scourge him and assign him a place with the hypocrites. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And again, when we see that phrase, weeping and gnashing of teeth, what's he often referring to? Hell, right. So, uh, again, just a a great warning for us to be prepared, right? It could be tonight, you know, it could be tomorrow, it could be next month, it could be, you know, ten years from now. We just don't know. We've got to be prepared every day. So appreciate everyone's uh, attention this evening and your comments, and we will continue on in Matthew 25 Sunday morning.